This is the Relish Podcast with Kate Stevenson. Well, hello, I'm Kate Stevenson. So this, of course, is the Relish Podcast, a celebration of all things food, wine and travel. This week on the show, there are some terrific charities operating in the food space, but there is one that doesn't just feed or train people, it pays them. Free to Feed has just passed the $1 million mark. That's the amount they have paid to refugees and people seeking asylum who now have the experience and the confidence to seek other employment across the sector. I'll speak to co-founder Loretta Bolton about that fabulous achievement. Also, I'm on the record as being a little bit obsessed with tinkering with cocktails at home, so I leapt at the chance to interview bar expert Cara Devine about her new book, Strong, Sweet and Bitter. It's a bible for all things cocktails, bartending and booze. So I'll get a few tips for us to kick off things in our own home bars. And of course... There'll be Eat, Drink, Do Melbourne. Some tips including a new menu at Deeds Tap Room, a rather risque event at Little Lawn Distilling, bottomless options at Bonnie Bar and Half Acre, and a reminder to get out to some of Melbourne's fabulous live theatre and consider dinner and a show with a visit to the next Hotel Melbourne. All that coming up on the Relish Podcast, celebrating the best in food, wine and travel for Melbourne's Easy Music. 3MP. At Easy Music 3MP, relax with us and all your favourite songs. God only knows what I'd be without Easy Music means all the songs you love from the 60s, 70s and 80s. Easy Music. 3MP. Well, we know there are some fabulous not-for-profits and charities out there doing terrific things, particularly in the food and hospitality areas. But did you know that there's one that just doesn't donate food or teach people in need? It actually gives employment to refugees and people seeking asylum through offering cooking classes, catering and unique events. We're talking real wages here. Free to Feed has just passed the $1 million mark. They've paid that amount out to people who now have the experience and the confidence to seek other employment across the sector. It's a phenomenal milestone and co-founder and CEO Loretta Bolton joins me now. Loretta, congratulations. Oh, thank you so much, Kate. And that was a, a very impressive introduction. I think you can almost have my job. Well, fair enough. You own it. You know, you, you own the introduction. It's all about you and your organisation. It, it's quite an achievement. How did it all start for you? Yeah, um, you know, it's one of those, I get asked this question often and it's always difficult to find the exact thread. I guess a few things. Um, so my family actually migrated um to Australia from Southern Italy themselves. So, yeah. um, and, um, you know, my upbringing was one of, um, uh, I guess, celebrating our culture, coming together, um, uh, you know, to share a meal as often as we could um, with the extended family, um, making and cooking together, um, making pasta from scratch and um, living in a really vibrant multicultural um, part of Melbourne. Yep. So all of my classmates and my uh, best friends growing up were of migrant backgrounds um, as well. So um, naturally, I guess this exposure, um, I guess, uh, 
led me to work, start to work in the sector and um, and I was drawn to, in particular, supporting um, refugees and people seeking asylum because of their incredible resilience and uh, worked on the front line in the um, refugee and humanitarian sector for, um, well, it's been about 12 years now. Yeah. And somewhere along the way, um, after having, you know, sharing so many tea with beautiful refugee women, um, and hearing about the um, the loneliness and the isolation, but also that craving for um, opportunity and for jobs. Um, somewhere along the way there, I figured, actually, I think I might be able to um, give this a go and we might be able to um, create something that addresses these challenges that we keep hearing over and over. And that's interesting. And was born. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, we, we know there's lots of organisations that say do do training, for example, and there is a difference even when someone goes on to get another job between, you know, saying you have a qualification or, you know, you've done training versus, you know, I, I've had paid paid experience in this sector. You know, mm. that's an amazing thing. So, so what is free to feed now in a nutshell? So for someone listening who says, wow, this is amazing, I want to use your services and, and get these people paid, what, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah, so um, so I'll, I'll uh, so on this um, in terms of what we can provide to um, new arrivals. So yeah, you're right. It's 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 hands-on um, employment experience. Um, we have new arrivals that are sharing their culture through teaching cooking classes, which is lovely. They become the leaders um, and can receive a wage for um, sharing the knowledge and the um, beautiful cultural histories that they hold and have brought with them from overseas. Yeah. Um, we also provide. Um, employment and training again um, across um, uh, cooking, uh, catering, uh, events in front of house hospitality. And that's all um, and that's all uh, above award wages that includes training, um, uh, hands-on um, hands-on work experience. but also I think the part that's most important is actually building confidence and building a community. So new arrivals who are really lonely actually get to make a whole bunch of friends yeah. and they get to feel a part of the free to feed community and we just see this their confidence skyrocket because the talent and potential is already there and free to feed is just um, nurturing that and providing some um, opportunity where they might be blocked out um, from the market without that local experience otherwise. And so how do um, these guys find you and, and how many staff would you have on the books at any one time? Yeah, yeah. So we support about 100 people per year. Wow. Um, and um, uh, we mostly connect through through word of mouth. Um, so we have participants come through our program, say, for example, from the Persian community, and then they absolutely love it and they share it with their community members. Um, we have a presence in like in um, uh, primary schools. So we work with a lot of mothers who are recently arrived um, and also just with little um, uh, non-for-profit organizations. Uh, so ethno-specific organizations. So, you know, for example, the community organization that's supporting the newly arrived Afghan women or the one that's supporting the recently arrived Ukrainian community. So just connecting with them, they're just looking for opportunity. And this is um, a paid one, which is very unique. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we just get referrals from those community organizations and word of mouth. And do you generally hear back? So obviously I, I assume people are, are sort of with you for a limited time so you can bring more through. Do you hear back from people afterwards just to, to see what sort of employment they've gone on to? Yeah, totally. Um, always. Um, and we also have um, a really great program manager who tries to keep in touch with everyone. Um, and um, over 90% of the um, uh, people we're working with transition into stable work, mm. um, which is really amazing. Um, and the 10% that might not make it into work usually go back to vocational study or to being um, a mum. 
Um, and um, within that mix of that 90%, we also have people that create businesses, which is pretty awesome because then they go on to run cafes and restaurants and then employ refugees from their community as well. So it's a bit, a bit of a ripple effect. I think if you create opportunity, it's a bit infectious and then they go on and try to do the same thing and have that same ethos. So there's all these little cafes dotted around Melbourne um, that are being run by Free to Feed alumni and we're pretty proud of that. Phenomenal. So how rewarding is this for you? It must fill your heart to see the difference you're making. Yeah, I think social enterprise is a little um, a little bit like startups. So sometimes it can feel really overwhelming. We're stretching and growing and evolving. Um, and, you know, we do run at quite a fast paced um, hospitality and experiences business and catering and events is all is all really full on and high and fast paced. So it's not often we get to stop, um, but occasionally, you know, whether we if through a graduation or sitting down for lunch, we get to see, um, you know, any connect with our community and just see how transformative the work is. And that's where it's really like it sets in for me. I'm like, okay, cool. This it's all worth it because it really is having significant change and building that community is really um. It feels really great and seeing everyone, you know, um, teaching a class or confidently working in the kitchen, making a beautiful dish. It's um, it feels really good. And it reminds me that we're doing this work for a reason and it's working. Well, congratulations on the million dollar milestone and at being at the helm of such a life changing but life building organisation. I can strongly recommend people head to freetofeed.org.au even just to look at that experiences page and, and to plan, you know, a bit of a cooking class themselves. When you see the people and the culture and the, the food on offer at those classes, it is beautiful and inspiring and mouthwatering. Loretta Bolleton, co-founder and CEO of Free to Feed, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Kate. Thanks, Loretta. Stick around. Uh, plenty more to come on Relish, celebrating the best in food, wine and travel for Melbourne's Easy Music. 3MP. This is the Relish Podcast with Kate Stevenson. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm obsessed with making cocktails at home. I wouldn't generally open a bottle of wine midweek, possibly not even on the weekend, but I would whip up a Wednesday night Negroni or a cheeky old-fashioned. But it can be hard to know where to start if you're just getting into the whole home bar scene, which is where my next guest comes in. Cara Devine has worked in hospitality around the world. She's currently venue manager at Melbourne's fabulous Bomber Bar. And she's just released Strong, Sweet and Bitter, a book that aims to help beginners and even the most experienced bartenders work out how to make a delicious cocktail base from scratch. Cara Devine, welcome. Hi there. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, no, I talk cocktails all day. Now, you are clearly <laughs> Scottish, I can tell already. I think you fell in love with hospitality and cocktails in Canada. So how did you end up teaching the rest of us about it in Melbourne? Um, just that, that little bit of wanderlust, I think. Um, as you said, yeah, I, I grew up in Scotland and I did always work in hospitality, but maybe didn't see it as a career um, but once I graduated from university, I went over to Vancouver um, and it was right as, you know, the craft cocktail scene was was really starting to explode. And I was just pretty blown away by, um, I guess, the level of professionalism and care that I saw in hospitality venues over there. So um, I sort of looked at that and was like, I reckon uh, that sounds like a, a good time. So um, started to look for an opportunity to get behind the bar um, which I did back in Glasgow and then after being there for a year or so decided to um, have a have another little, little adventure and so ended up over here in Melbourne really just 
because the scene here was, you know, pretty, pretty globally renowned for being uh, excellent. So I thought, you know, let's go and see what I can learn there. Oh, and you know, we love to hear that. So when did you arrive here and, and how has even the Melbourne cocktail scene evolved since you got here? Um, arrived in 2014. Yep. So yeah, been here for a little minute now. Uh, I think honestly, you know, obviously we've been through so much, especially in the last few years with COVID and everything. I actually think that we've relaxed into ourselves a little bit. I think that for a while, bartenders really felt like we had to fight to be taken seriously. And that's when, you know, you saw all those very serious stirred down boozy drinks and, you know, the arm garters and the <laughs> uh, bow ties and all of that kind of thing. Um, and I think thankfully we've we've kind of gained a bit of confidence and and are pretty happy to have fun now. So you're seeing a lot more tropical cocktails and you know blue cocktails are, is no longer a dirty word and, and you know you're more likely to have a bartender serving you in a bright patterned toucan shirt than uh than a kind of a buttoned up one anymore so I think I think that's fun I think we're just yeah we're, we're back in a bit of a party mindset I think after a good few years sitting at home not taking ourselves too seriously so then you end up launching behind the bar on YouTube teaching people about cocktails how to make them the history of them and that ends up with 147,000 subscribers the last time I checked. Was that a surprise? Uh, definitely. Um, I mean, it, was, it wasn't an overnight thing. It was definitely a bit of slow growth. And I think uh, we were pretty lucky in that when COVID did hit, and as you say, everyone was at home kind of thinking, I can't go to a bar for a Negroni, so maybe I'd better learn how to make one myself. Uh, we actually already had a bit of content up, um, so it had been going for about a, a year, a year and a half, I think, before 2020. Um, so, yeah, I think just a lot of people turned to the internet for lots of things in that time period. And um, I was lucky enough to be one of the people that that had a fair amount of content there for people to learn from. Yeah, and I assume that then became the inspiration for the book, Strong, Sweet and Bitter. What's the idea behind it? Yeah, well, one of the main things that people say in the comments on videos and things is, you know, maybe I don't have that specific liqueur. Obviously, I'm lucky whenever I do a video, I just go and raid the bar at Bomba um, <laughs> and sort of have access or, you know, if I don't have it, I just buy it in through Bomba. So definitely a privileged position there. But I understand that at home, people aren't necessarily going to have, you know, five different kinds of liqueurs and five different kinds of Amari and that sort of thing. Uh, so it's really just um, about trying to give people the confidence that if they maybe don't have something that's exactly what the recipe calls for, that there's definitely plenty of other things that you can substitute in uh, and still make a delicious drink. So really just as long as you have that balance of strong, sweet and kind of bitter or sour, uh, then it's still going to be it's still going to be delicious. So. Just nobody should ever uh, not have a cocktail. Yeah, and it's interesting, <laughs> you know, I, I assume there's some basic spirits people should start with, but then it is also about once you know, you know, that flavour triangle and what you can do with it, also just having fun with your favourite ones. I think I saw a recipe in there for what basically seemed to be a mezcal old-fashioned because who says it needs to be bourbon? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you look at something like the margarita, um, which is obviously so popular. And if you switch out the orange curacao in there and pop in an apricot brandy as well, it's a bit of a rounder, richer drink, and that's called a toreador. If you don't like tequila, then, you know, pop gin in there and it's basically a white lady. 
Um, so, you know, even all the classic cocktails are really just riffs on each other within certain sort of families and styles. Um, and so, yeah, I think obviously, you know, taste broadly and, and I'm a firm believer that, that, you know, there's always within certain spirits that people think they don't like. I always think, you know, there's probably one that you could get them on board with, but you know, again, don't force yourself to drink anything you don't like and, yeah. and don't spend money on on things just because you think you should have it. If you're just not really a whiskey person, not a problem. Get a bottle of rum and most of those cocktails will work with rum instead. And so what, what are the basics? What should everybody have in the cupboard? Um, I mean, I think... Uh, again a bottle or two of of your favorite spirits so you know i usually have one one lighter spirit so whether that's a gin um a vodka or a white rum and then one darker spirit so sort of you know whiskey or a dark rum um something like that uh and then again i i actually think it's fun to spend a bit of money uh well you spend less money i suppose on modifiers than you do on bottles of spirits yeah, so yeah. having a wide selection of bitters for example there's some really fun ones here in melbourne there's um the bitters lab on smith street that just is a kind of wonderful uh experience to see how much they have in there it's amazing yeah, it's really, it's beautiful. But, um, you know, something like cacao and macadamia bitters goes so well with darker spirits or, you know, they've got lavender, elderflower and things for kind of lighter, brighter ones. So that can give your cocktail sort of a, a different little edge um, without having to, yeah, without having to invest in a whole other bottle of things. Um, and I think a few good uh, liqueurs as well. Um, again, if I'm able to kind of uh, call out a local hero there's uh the marionette guys are making yes. some really delicious australian um liqueurs that aren't too sweet as well so then you can kind of adjust that to your own palate um so i think yeah a couple of good bottles of spirits depending on your taste and then i would really go to town with just having some fun with some modifiers and i assume there's plenty of inspiration in the book you ready to name your favorite child cara what is your favorite cocktail <laughs> So I'm sorry. <laughs> it's really a tricky one. I'm very, uh, it really very much depends on the, you know, the time and the place and the mood. Um, but I would say the, the Jabberwocky that's in the drink, which is basically a martini, a bit, a bit of a less boozy martini variation, which also uses sherry because um, sherry is yeah. one of my favorite cocktail ingredients. That's, that's probably my main go-to. Oh, Cara, I could talk to you all day, but instead we will tell people to rush out and buy Strong, Sweet and Bitter, your guide to all things cocktails, bartending and booze from behind the bar. It'll be available from all good bookshops and, of course, online booksellers as well. And also people should check out Behind the Bar on YouTube if they want some more inspiration. Thank you so much for chatting to me today. No problem. Thanks, Kate. Cara Devine, stay where you are. We're not done. I've still got some tips for you on what to eat, drink and do in Melbourne on Relish, celebrating the best in food, wine and travel for Easy Music 3MP. For lovers of easy music, it all adds up. DAB Plus is the innovation to your favourite station, Easy Music 3MP, where the music is nearer and clearer in stereo right across Melbourne. There is more 3MP to love by upgrading your radio to DAB Plus. Change the way you listen to 3MP. There is more to love on DAB Plus. Find out more at 3mp.com.au. Okay, so of course we have some time left to share tips on all things Eat, Drink, Do Melbourne. 
And the eating and drinking bit is all intermingled this week. So here's what I've got. Over in Glen Iris, Deeds Brewing have just launched a new seasonal menu. It's designed to be perfectly paired, believe it or not, with a drink. Head chef Roger Vandenbogart has added some autumn pleasers like halloumi with fire-roasted romesco, fried chicken wings with house-made barbecue sauce and a hearty herb-crusted veal schnitzel with slaw and onion gravy. The tap room is a pretty special place perched right there in suburbia, so it's well worth a look. You can check out their menu and all the drinks at deedsbrewing.com.au. Another great eat-drink combo. How about getting into the city's most intimate distillery, Little On, to enjoy their intriguingly named Melbourne Food and Wine Festival event, Oysters, Brothels and Booze in Little On. Highly entertaining food and wine pros Richard Cornish and Max Allen will take guests on a two-hour, all-eating, all-drinking, storytelling tour of Melbourne's notorious former red light district as it existed in the 1850s to 1880s. So, of course, it kicks off at Little On Distilling Co. That's an 1870s brick cottage that was once a working brothel. It'll take in the historic Coopers Inn and it finishes with memories of the Cantonese eating houses of the period. Of course, there will be plenty to eat and drink along the way, so head to melbournefoodandwine.com.au and just search brothels to secure your tickets. That's a hard one to forget. And finally, in Eat and Drink... A couple of bottomless offerings. First, Fitzroy's fabulous Bonnie Bar has kicked off their Sunday lunch this week. Led by head chef James Cornwall, every Sunday they'll offer up a seasonal set menu with goodies like their pickled Port Arlington mussels or their share wagyu and smoked bocconcini croquettes. There'll be bottomless cocktails, plus you can enjoy your choice of four fab cocktails. That includes a Davidson Plum Spritz or any of their 27 curated taps of independent local wine, signature cocktails and craft beers. And yes, that's bottomless. So head to bonniebar.com.au to book in. And I did say a couple of bottomless offerings. So in South Melbourne, head chef Dean Little has announced his arrival at Half Acre with the Feast and Flow. He says it's an elevated take on the traditional bottomless brunch. So this is available on weekends. It's 98 bucks per person, but for that you'll enjoy two hours of a self-service buffet with sweet and savoury dishes like king or a salmon smoked over coals with Bernays sauce or maybe roasted cauliflower with sunflower wattle seed dukkha. And there is even a DIY pavlova station. And to drink, well, there'll be unlimited house Prosecco and wines, as well as beer and non-alcoholic options. Plus, they'll have a list of rotating cocktails like passion fruit caperoscas. Head to halfacre.com.au for all the details for that one. And finally, do. What can you do in Melbourne? Well, do get into Melbourne for one of the myriad of live shows that are currently playing in the CBD and surrounds. Finishing this week, at the end of this week, there may still be tickets, are Mousetrap, that classic, I saw it last week, and Melbourne Theatre Company's highly acclaimed Prima Facie. Uh, meanwhile, And Juliet is getting rave reviews at the Regent Theatre. Harry Potter is still going. I think that's around till July. And Midnight the Musical, which is based on the Cinderella story, is selling now for performances from June. And if, like me, a show means you really have to do dinner in a show, I did pop in for the excellent pre-theatre offer at La Madonna at Next Hotel this week. 49 bucks there. We'll get uh, each couple a drink each on arrival, three savoury dishes to share and a delectable dessert. So that's 49 bucks per person and it is right in the middle of theatre land. Check out what's on 
www.melbourne.vic.gov.au for details for shows that are on and nexthotelmelbourne.com to check out La Madonna. Whew, and we're done. That is it for this episode. I'd love to hear from you anytime. Just email relish at 3mp.com.au. But this has been the Relish Podcast, celebrating the best in food, wine and travel for Melbourne's easy music, 3MP. You've been listening to the Relish Podcast with Kate Stevenson. 